Good morning. You know how there were just some some mornings or some some times or weeks where the worship just seems a little sweeter. Maybe that's just me. That was your cue to say, no, Jason, it's not just you. You're not a weirdo, but you've missed it, so don't do it now. This morning seemed like one of those times, didn't it? Just, just good worship, just good, sweet worship of acknowledging who God is and who we are. So let's, let's continue that now as we, uh, as we open this word and as we study what John reveals to us in, in his epistle about who, who Christ is. Turn to, to 1 John chapter 2. We'll continue to continue on our journey here with this letter that John's written. I'm going to read the passage that we will be, be looking at today in its entirety. And then I'm going to go back, and I feel like there are really three, three messages, three Three prominent ideas or three things that, we, that, that John tells us that we need to go back in and kind of further define and, and find out what that means to us. But first, I just want to read our passage today in its entirety, and then we'll go back and look at each of these three themes or messages that I feel like we can get from, from this section. Starting in verse 18. Children, it is the last hour. And just as you heard that Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have appeared. From this we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not really of us. For if they had been of us, they would have remained with us. But they went out, so that it would be shown that they are all not of us. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you all know. I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it and because no lie is of the truth. Who is the liar but the one who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist, the one who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father, and the one who confesses the Son has the Father also. As for you, let that abide in you which you've heard from the beginning. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you also will abide in the Son, And in the Father. This is the promise which He Himself made to us eternal life. These things I've written to you concerning those who are trying to deceive you. As for you, the anointing which you received from Him abides in you, and you have no need for anyone to to teach you, but as is His anointing teaches you about all things, and is true and is not a lie. And just as, as it has taught you, you abide in Him. Now, little children, abide in him, so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink away from him in shame at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone also who practices righteousness is born of him. Now, that was a mouthful. Okay, and we see John John gives us a lot right there. So I want to go down and and break it down because he, he mentions several different themes and several different messages or points that I want us to really be able to walk away from here with. So let's, let's go back. The very first point in, that I want us to look at is, is what is this last hour? What is this last hour, these last days? 
And who are these antichrists that he talks about? We hear that phrase a lot of times, the antichrist, right? And typically, how many of you have read the, uh, was it Tim LaHaye and Jerry Jenkins? Is that right? Is that the, yeah, the Left Behind series? That's kind of where my mind always goes, right? We go to Revelation, we go to that, to that book series, and we think of that Antichrist, and that is part of what John is, is talking about when we look at the Antichrist, because we also know that, you know, John is the only one of the, of the authors in Scripture that refers to the Antichrist. He's the only one that talks about the Antichrist. He's the only one that, um, that writes about the Antichrist. He does it both here. We also see him where, because he's also the author of the book of Revelation. So what exactly is the Antichrist? I want us to look at that. And then I want us to look at these last days. Because John's telling these believers here in this church that we're in the last hours, he even says. We're in the last hour. We're in the last days. Now this was written when? That's right. Very good, Tommy. Tommy listened a few weeks ago. So at midterm grade, your midterm grade will reflect that, Tommy. So, so yeah, it was written I mean, over 1,900 years ago. So for over 1,900 years, we've been in the last hour. Many people who are skeptics of Scripture point to things like this, to, to Scriptures like this, to show that there's not a lot of truth here, because how can you be in the last hour if that was 1,900 plus years ago? The difference is, is, is how, what John's speaking of. When we look at him talking about being in the last hour, he's not talking about a duration of time as much as he's talking about the kind of time. There's a difference. There's a difference in the kind of time versus the duration of time. When we talk about duration of time, and we talked about it's the last few minutes of a game or the last hours of someone's life, that's a duration of time. But if we talk about the kind of time, it means more of there was a time as God sees it that was before the Messiah came, okay, before Christ came, that was a kind of time. There was a kind or type of time when the Messiah was actually here on earth. Those years that he was here and serving mankind in the flesh. And then there's a kind of time after he was resurrected and ascended back into heaven, at that point... We were in these last days. We were in the last hour, the last days, because now we are anxiously, because what did Christ say when he ascended? What's that? That's right. Be watching, because just as I left, I'll be returning. So because of that, because of his instruction to his believers at his very last uh, appearance to them, and as he ascended, we are now in this last days, kind of time. Does that make sense? Does, that, does everybody understand where we're coming from there? So therefore there's a difference there versus the duration. So don't look at that and be confused and say, well John, I mean, how can we possibly, and we saw Peter and Paul and so many of the other apostles say the same thing to the believers, that we were in the last hours, we're in the last days. Don't let that discourage or confuse you as you read through scripture and ask, well how can we possibly be in the last days for 2,000 plus years? Because it's not a duration, it's a kind of time. So that's how we're in the last days, and it's why John tells us right there, children, it is the last hour. 
it means we're in the final chapter. We're in the final chapter. Now, it may be a very long chapter, but we're in the final chapter because Christ has come and He's done His work on earth and He's gone back to heaven and now we are just awaiting His return. That's the final event. So that's where we are with the, with the last hour and the last days. Now, the Antichrist, anti, the prefix, actually means to oppose or instead of. It's interesting because it has a dual meaning. It means oppose, meaning opposite of, but it also can mean and does mean, it's, it's a dual meaning. Having a dual meaning is different than having where it can be used in two different ways. There are many words that can be used in two different ways, and they don't really mean anything alike at all, right? You don't use them together. But having a dual meaning means they, it means this at the same time. So at the same time, the Antichrist, the prefix anti means that it's opposite of, but also instead of. Now, how do we see that? Just look around you. How many things in, in just in our world do we see is a perversion of what God created? Is a perversion of what God created to be perfect, and then Satan has come and used a little bit of what God had, but in opposition to him, we use this instead of Christ's way. How many things in life do we put as a God, as our Savior, as a Messiah, instead of Christ. Anything you put instead of Christ is also going to be what? In opposition to Christ. Because you cannot have an instead of Christ without opposing Christ. So that's what the Antichrist is there. That's the very definition of the, of the word is something that is opposed to the Messiah, opposed to the Christ, but also instead of. So I would caution you just as we look around and look at the world and look at those who teach and so on and so forth, if they are ever putting anything in place of Christ, the Messiah, the Savior, the way, the truth, and the life, if anything is being plugged in there as an also or as an instead of, that's an antichrist. Let's look at a couple of different definitions. We have three different ways that this phrase or this term, the Antichrist, can actually be used. First of all, it describes three things. First, it's a spirit in the world that opposes Christ. Any spirit in this world that opposes Christ. And by spirit, I don't just mean like ghostly looking things floating around through the sky. But we're talking about just the idea, the ideology of anything that opposes Christ is the spirit of the Antichrist. Okay? Second of all, we see that it's false teachers who embody this same spirit. You see, John talked about there being Antichrist, and he even used it in a plural form, Antichrist, meaning there are several, there are many. Because any teacher, anyone, any person that's teaching things, saying things, living a lifestyle in the spirit of the Antichrist, in the spirit of living a life that's in opposition to Christ or placing things instead of Christ, then they would be an antichrist, okay? But then there's also the third meaning or the third way that we see this word, and it is the person, a singular 
very real person that will come at some point in the future that embodies all of these things. It's the personification of this spirit of the Antichrist, and there will be an actual one Antichrist that will unite all of, all of this idea and all of this ideology, a single person who will head up the final world rebellion against Christ. And we see that uh, John actually writes about it through his revelation that he gives us in the book of Revelation. So that's, that's when John's talking here about the Antichrist. Remember that he's not only talking about this one person at the very end of time. But he's also talking about anyone. Anyone that embodies, anyone that portrays, anyone that follows this spirit of the Antichrist of being in opposition to Christ, of being opposed to Christ. But even more so, the thing that I found interesting in that is anytime we put something instead of Christ. Sometimes even we see, as believers, we can be, we can be guilty of, of becoming very close to that, and we need to monitor where we are with that, to ensure that we aren't trying to replace Christ. Sometimes it's even with good works. Sometimes we try to convince ourselves of salvation because of the money we give to charities. Sometimes we try to convince ourselves of our relationship with God because we're just, we're just a good guy. If you're stuck in the snow, I'm your guy. I'll come get you. No, I'm, I'm not your guy, by the way. <laughs> I am the opposite of your guy if you're stuck in the snow. But, but don't we do that? We try to hang our hat on some of those things, don't we? You need to be very careful with that. Because if that's where you're basing your belief system, if that's where you're basing your security in who you are in Christ, is based on your actions and you being an all-around nice guy, you are putting something instead of Christ. Well, if I'm putting something instead of Christ, that makes me an antichrist. That's not a group I want to be associated with. That's not where I want to be. Be mindful of that. Be careful of that. Be watchful also of those around you, of those you put your trust in, of those you have confidence in around you, that they are not putting their own works, their own abilities, their own accomplishments instead of Christ. So we see that, that, that John kind of talks about here in the very first section of this, but he also gives us some characteristics of someone following after the Antichrist that I want us to look at. First of all, I want to look at three characteristics of someone following after the spirit of the Antichrist. And let's look in, in verse 18 and 19 of chapter 2. Children, it is the last hour, and just as you heard, the Antichrist is coming. Even now, many Antichrists have appeared. From this, we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not really of us. 
For if they had been of us, they would have remained with us, but they went out so that it would be shown that they were all not of us. There's a lot of in us and out of us and back to us and that sort of thing in that whole passage. But let's look specifically what we need to see is what are the characteristics of someone following after this spirit of the Antichrist. It's important that we know that as believers so that we are not led astray by these, these persons, these people. First of all, he departs from the fellowship. We see that in verse 18 and 19. He departs from the fellowship. Now, what does that mean? Understand that when we talk about the church, the church is the body of Christ. We can talk about the church in two different ways. We talk about the church as a local body, which we, Dayspring, we are a church. We are a local fellowship. We are a group of believers. But we are also a part of a much bigger body of Christ, the church as a whole, meaning all those who claim the name of Christ, all of those fall under that umbrella of being the body of Christ. So in looking at that, we look at it two different ways. We need to be careful of those that depart from the fellowship, depart from not just the local body, but also the big body of Christ as well. Now, let's talk about that for just a minute. What does that mean? Depart from the fellowship. Now, now stay focused with me because it can get very complicated in how we do this, okay? If a believer moves from one body to another body, does that automatically qualify him as an antichrist? Does it automatically mean that he's not an antichrist? Also, no. Okay, it's important that we understand that. Because if if a person is in that place where it seems like every other month, every so many months, maybe every year, they've got a new local body that they're a part of. That's a, that should be a flag. That's an issue. Okay, now, now be very, I, mean, I understand there are lots of situations that, that could occur, so, so please understand I'm not drawing everyone under this one particular thing, but if, but if there is someone that's claiming to be a believer, and they are in a body, and then they're in another body, and then they're in another body, and then they're in with another body, and then they come back around to the first one, and then they go back to another one, there's an issue. Now, am I saying that it automatically means they are an antichrist, and if we see them, we should raise red flags and toot horns and do all have sirens go off? No, but there ought to be something internally as a believer that says we need to be mindful here. We need to be mindful of this. Because Scripture is very clear that those that depart of from us and are constantly in this cycle of departing from us, or going somewhere, there's a reason there. There's something working. There's something going on that they are not able to stay under the teaching of God's Word with a certain fellowship and group of believers. And they're needing to go out and come back and go out and come back. Be careful with that. Be careful of how we we do that, because there's... There's flags there. 
that should be, that should be seen. Flip over to stay in 1 John, but he talks about it, and we're going to get to it later, but in chapter 3, verse 14 of, of 1 John, he says, We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brethren. He who does not love abides in death. Because we love the brethren. You know, oftentimes in Scripture, Scripture is very clear, and John even talks about it, and we refer to it in, in passing about how we are to, to love God and love others, and that others means even those people that are maybe not so lovely, those that we don't want to love necessarily, especially during the flu season. But, but we're to love them all, right? But in this, in this Scripture, he's very specific and then he says we're to love what? The brethren. The brethren means those of like-mindedness. Those that also claim the name of Christ. Now, let's be very... That means if there are those that are constantly going out from us, if there are those that are the uh, proverbial pot stirrers, is that loving the brethren? Is that loving this body of Christ so much that even if I've been wronged, I'm going to make sure that I don't harm the body or harm the brethren because of the love that I have for this fellowship and what it means that I'm not going to cause a stink, for lack of a better theological word, about what's happened to me because of my love for the brethren, for the church, more specifically for Christ. If someone is always so easily offended by someone in the church, and then not only are they so easily offended, but they need to make sure and let other people know how they've been offended. That's an issue. That's a problem. Be very careful. In our own lives, we need to be careful of that. We need to be very mindful of that. But it also needs to raise flags when we see those things occurring. Now, I don't mean to be coming across, I mean, if you don't, if you don't appreciate it, take it up with John, I guess, but that, that's just where I see him, him being very clear with this church, with this body. He's wanting them to, to ensure that they're in, that they're in fellowship. So, if, so a characteristic of those that are following after the spirit of the Antichrist, and I don't believe that anyone in here would, would want to say that, that that's the spirit I want to follow after. We don't want to follow after the spirit of the Antichrist, so let's be mindful of what are the characteristics of those that follow after the spirit of the Antichrist. And one is that they depart from the fellowship. Now, sometimes that, always, that doesn't always mean physically departing. Have you ever been somewhere but not really been somewhere? Have you ever been in class and your body's there, but your mind... Is somewhere else? That's never been the case, right? <laughs> our, even our star student, remember? Right, we've been there, right? You're present in body, but your mind and your spirit somewhere else. Yeah, if you're not engaged with what's happening, if you're trying to disconnect yourself, if you're just here and you're showing up and you're checking the box, and you're doing the things that we feel like are expected of us, but we've just completely released, and we're just hands off to everything, and we're just there. I mean, I've been there. We've been there. Be very careful with that. 
Because that's, that's a departing from the fellowship, isn't it? That's a departing from the fellowship, which is a characteristic of those following after the spirit of the Antichrist. Second characteristic, he denies the faith. Look at chapter 2, verse 22. He who is the liar, but the one who denies that Jesus is the Christ, this is the Antichrist. The one who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father. The one who confesses the Son has the Father also. Who is Christ to you? As a believer, this should always be the litmus test of anything and everything that we do and any in anything that we look at studying or falling after or, or listening to, a litmus test should always be, who do they say Christ is? If they say that he was a good teacher, but there are also other ways, that fails our litmus test. If they say that, that Jesus is a way to God the Father, that fails our litmus test. Our litmus test as believers and in making sure and ensuring that we do not follow after the spirit of the Antichrist is to make sure that we know, first of all, in our own lives, who do we say Christ is? Not just in a general term and sense, but who is Jesus to me in our own lives? If you ask yourself that question, who is Jesus, it needs to be a resounding, he is my savior, he is my all. He is my reason for life. Without Him, I'm nothing. With Him, I'm an heir to the throne of God. That's a huge difference that Christ plays in our lives. And if we can't answer that with just an enthusiasm and a passion, then let's ensure who He is to us. We need to know who Jesus is you need to know who you are in relation to that. And you need to be able to answer what you believe this to be. Is it just a textbook? Or are they holy, ancient words that reveal God the Father to mankind? It's a big difference. Big difference in a history book Versus holy words that reveal God himself to mankind. Make sure that you know the answer to those questions. Third characteristic of someone following after the spirit of the Antichrist is he tries to deceive the faithful. Look at verse 26. These things I've written to you concerning those who are trying to deceive you. As for you, the anointing which you received from him abides in you. You have no need for anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about all things and is true and is not a lie, just as it has taught you, you abide in him. Antichrist or false teachers are not trying to lead the lost to follow them. You hear what I said there? The Antichrist, those false teachers, are not out looking for lost people to follow them to get a, a gang or a posse or a group around them. The Antichrist, the false teachers, are looking to lead believers astray. You are their prey, not the lost. The lost that do not have Christ as their 
soul passion. The lost who do not follow after God the Father is not of their concern. They, that's already where they want them. You are the prey of the Antichrist. Let me be even more specific. Parents, your children are the prey of the Antichrist, of the false teachers, of those that would long to lead them astray, to follow after something that opposes Christ, something instead of Christ. They're working to lead believers astray. That's why I've said it before and we say it so often, it is so vitally important that we have an understanding of who Christ is, of who God is, who the Father is, but even more importantly, how he communicates himself to us through his word. It's so important that we have an understanding of that because they are trying to deceive and lead the, the believers astray. So that leads me to my last, to the last message or point here that I feel like John wants to, to tell us is why then are Christians led astray? Why are believers led astray? What is the common denominator between those that are led astray by these false teachers and those that are able to stay in the fellowship and stay in and where Christ would have them to be? Christians are led astray when we are not abiding in him. We're going to look at some scriptures here that, that John uses that word abide. So let's look at that. First of all, we need to understand that the word abide is a verb. It is not passive. It is something that you do. It means to continue to accept or to stay with. But the important thing is that it's a verb. You're fighting to stay with it. You're hanging on. You're clinging is the idea behind that word. Abide doesn't just mean to sit there. I'm thinking of a, again, a terrible analogy that I'm so famous for. It's bad analogies, Johnny. I think of a, a raft or a lifeboat. There's a difference in just sitting in a lifeboat and drifting along, right? And you're there and it's in a very calm waters. And so all you really have to do is sit there and the lifeboat holds you. But imagine that same lifeboat that you're in that is your very vehicle for survival except it's in the middle of the ocean during a storm. Are you going to be riding in that lifeboat in the same manner as if you were just sitting in the middle of a pond in that lifeboat? No. You're going to be clinging on, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you cling and you would find ropes that were attached to the lifeboat and tie yourself to it? It would constantly be active, wouldn't it? You would be working to ensure that you were clinging on to and that you were abiding in that lifeboat. You, you with me? That's the image we should have there. When we talk about abiding in Christ, it's not just a Sunday stroll that we're just kicked back with our feet up and we get to just kind of float along. It means we are doing everything within our power and within what we can control to ensure that we are clinging to Him that we are continuing in him and with him like we would in that lifeboat in a storm. And if we're not doing that, we'll be tossed. 
we're so easily, can be so easily led astray. In 1 John in 2, verse 19, they went out from us, but they were not really of us, for if they had been of us, they would have remained with us, but they went out so that it would be shown that they all were not of us. False teachers do not abide within the fellowship. In 1 John 2, 24, we see that the word should abide in us. The word of God should abide in us. Again, abide is a verb, so the word of God should be what? Active within us, not passive. In verse 27 of chapter 2, the anointing abides in us. We know this anointing to be the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit that lives within us, that teaches us. It's why he says here, John says, that you do not have to have a teacher. The reason he says that, he's not saying that you don't have to go to Go sit under a Bible teacher. That's not John's point. The point that John's making here is you have the very Spirit of God living within you. Therefore, you are without excuse because the Spirit of God lives within you and if you will listen to Him, He is teaching you in every moment of every day. Actively. Verse 28, abide in the Word and then we also can abide in Christ actively in his word. So why are believers led astray? Why are false teachers, why are the Antichrist that John's speaking of so prevalent, and not only so prevalent, but so successful? Because believers are more interested in going to a place that they're comfortable. Setting along and floating along through this life of Christianity And as long as we're not offended, as long as we don't get our feelings hurt, and as long as everything goes the way we want it to go and the church makes the decisions that we think are right and Tambra sings the songs that we think are the best and the temperature is right and the colors of the chairs are all to our liking, then we'll keep floating along. But the moment any of those things change, I'm going to find another fellowship. Because we don't want to do the hard work of abiding, of working and clinging and using whatever strengths we have to ensure that we do what we have been called to do. It's very easy to talk about that, but just as I close, let me warn you again the importance of this. If as believers we do not abide in Him, and abide in his word, we are putting ourselves at risk of being the prey to the Antichrist. I don't say that to be, to be uh, scary. I don't say that to, to try to, to, you know, to use hyperbole, to, to scare you into something. I, I'm just telling you that's what Scripture says, that it is our job as a believer to abide actively in him and in his word. And without that, you're putting yourself and your family in a very dangerous situation. Who is Christ to you? Who is Christ to your children? Who is the word to you? What is the word to your children? Let's pray. Father, help us to abide in you. Help us to actively cling 
to your word, to who you are, so that we do not become prey to these antichrists that you speak of. Father, help our, help our minds and our hearts and our spirit to be mindful of those that are around us. The Father, that, that red flag goes up because they're not of us. Because they depart from us. Father, we love you. We want to be active. And Lord, help us to tie ourselves to you. So that we always and forever abide in and with you. Father, we, we pray that, that you were glorified today. That your word was taught. And that your word was spoken and heard. Pray this in the name of your son, Jesus.